Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to the Bean for Friday. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Thursday. Um, do we have a bunch of racist landlords out there? Uh, we'll find out. Uh, the, everybody's very excited about this uh, Taris airport to fly people directly to uh, Wanaka, basically. Uh, but how excited are the people of Taris itself? We'll find out. And uh, this new program, Beat the Chasers, is Marcus a fan or not? But before any of that, uh, can't really do a podcast this week without talking about the behaviour of our MPs, can we? I'm just saying, if you think an affair in Parliament is unique or shocking, you're living under a rock. I'm not sure it's a sackable offence, though. Personally, I'd have sacked Lee's Galloway for incompetence in his role as Immigration Minister before I sacked him over this. But I do take the Prime Minister's point that as Workplace Relations Minister, you do need to be seen to take workplace relations seriously. And by seriously, I do not mean making the workplace the centre of your relations. But I think the sudden rush of decisive action by the PM, who's known for never really sacking anyone or acting quickly, is because she couldn't be shown up by Judith Collins. There's no way she could sit back and ask for a review on this one, when in the very same week her counterpart across the floor had sacked a rookie first-term MP for inappropriate behaviour. Falloon was gone entirely, as we know, but Judith was still criticised for not getting enough detail and info out quickly enough on it. Yet here we have a senior minister, a member of parliament for 12 years, booted out with few details other than a plea for his privacy. That's a far cry from the media doorstopping Andrew Falloon's parents with a TV camera in hand, asking them how they feel. Oh, some families off limits and others not. Anyway, it's the culture inside parliament that needs addressing. This is no ordinary workplace, after all. And these are no ordinary employees. These are elected officials put in place by us, paid for by us with our hard-earned taxpayer dollars and being trusted to behave accordingly. Wouldn't it be nice if they could just start focusing on their jobs sometime soon? Oh, yeah. What is it that they do again? Can't even remember now. Can Kerry McIver? I think at the moment you could probably walk into any party in any area of the country and probably have a damn good show of getting the nomination situations vacant all over the place when it comes to a few airline pilots and air hostesses could probably stand you know, if they need a job. Um, they'd be quite nice people. They'd be used to dealing with all sorts and chaos and crises and managing individuals and information. But is this kind of scrutiny going to put people off standing? Do you want to know what your politician, your local MP gets up to in their private life. Should there be greater scrutiny on their competence as ministers? Why can't you be sacked for being useless at your portfolio as opposed to having an affair? And would a code of conduct fix things? As Lockwood said, it would have to be so general that and and surely Anyone with a modicum of sense would understand that if you are the Minister of Workplace Relations, it's probably not a good idea to boff someone in your office. Because otherwise your judgment is going to be called into question. Would a code of conduct change that? I don't think so. Concentrate on the politics, concentrate on the policies, concentrate on the ability of a party or a coalition government to deliver on those policies and forget about peering through the net curtains and seeing what people are doing in their private lives. Oh, I just assumed we were doing it differently this year.
uh, with the selection. I just assumed that we would just eliminate each other's MPs one by one, kind of like battleships, until uh, there was only one uh, MP standing, and then that that party would win. Is that not what we're playing this time around? Okay, let's leave all that now. Um, the sign Phil got a worrying call from somebody uh, yesterday uh, who's uh, tried to get a rental, but she was the wrong colour or something. Ewe Kemp had applied for 10 private rentals over trade me in the past two weeks, but was told the properties were no longer available. So a friend suggested she do something. Basically applied for 10 private rentals. Yeah. And I was talking to a friend. She was asking how I was going with rentals. And I said, I haven't actually had a reply from any that I can look at. Um, and she said, oh, just as a laughing comment, it's probably because of your name. Iwi. I said, what's wrong with my name? She said, well, it's a Māori name, you know. Yeah. People discriminate sometimes. And she said, what you should do is use another phone and text the same people with a, pa- a non-Māori name or Pākehā name. Mm. Yeah. So we did that. And in like half an hour, got a few responses. That's awful. And three of those responses were from people who had previously told me that the houses were no longer available. Iwi, with one of these landlords, he said, you can come look at the flat. And you said to him, well, you just replied to me before saying I couldn't. He actually called me. He said, can I call you to sort out viewing details? And right. I said, yep, fine. And when he called, the first thing I said was, so it's definitely still available. And he said, yeah, yeah, it's been empty for two months. I said, my name's not Maria, by the way, it's Ewe, and he texted me half an hour ago. And he just cracked up laughing. And said, oh, yeah, that's a good one, all right, well, yeah, I don't want your type in my house. Oh, my goodness, you must and have And I said, what's, what's my type? Yeah. And he said, well, you're a Mary, aren't you? So what's that got to do with anything? He said, oh, you people don't know how to look after houses, you just wreck them, and there's the gangs and all the drugs. And I said, well... Not in a gang, and I don't do drugs. I've got a full-time job. And he said, yeah, but you, C-U-N-T-S's make it. And then he hung up in my ear. Oh, my God. Wow, are you allowed to say that on the radio? Are you allowed to say that in a podcast? If, I'm, if we're not, I'm really sorry that we just said that. Is spelling it the same as saying it? Good. It's an interesting question. I'll leave that with you. I don't want to go anywhere near that anymore. Uh, but if I want to go near Wanaka, I can, gonna, I'm going to be able to fly there, apparently. Uh, well, to Terrace, anyway. Who'd even heard of Terrace before? What's the local reaction to this idea? Well, this is developing very quickly. Uh, as you've mentioned, it was a total surprise yesterday when we discovered that Christchurch Airport had spent $45 million buying all of this land around Terrace. Uh, we discovered today they'd been using a lawyer under a, a cover name to buy the land so it wouldn't push up the value. But today, uh, there was a meeting of the Queenstown District Council, and one of the public forum uh, members was suggesting that the council now abandon Queenstown Airport, which you uh, all know is right in the shadow of the mountains near the lake, mm. and move to Taras instead, because the land in Queenstown is worth over a billion dollars. And as you've mentioned, there's a lot of scepticism and concern that we might return to the sort of industrial tourism that we had before COVID. So uh, how do locals feel about the prospect of having all of those planes overhead all of the time? Well, if the Queenstown Airport grows, as was suggested before COVID, we would have one flight coming into Queenstown every four minutes. 
and the community both here and in Wanaka, where the airport wanted to expand, pretty much unanimously said, no, that's that's a non-starter. Mm-hmm. And that's why Christchurch Airport have made this surprise move to try and basically build a competitive airport. Okay, so, and this is the problem with me, right? This is how my mind works. As soon as he says that, you've got competing airports. In my mind, that means that you've got a plane uh, coming into land somewhere around that region, and uh, the air traffic controllers from both airports get on the radio and try and attract that plane to their airport by ad hoc. And I know that would never be the way it works. I know, I understand about uh, you organise flight paths and you know all of that stuff, schedules and things. But I just love the idea that uh, you don't quite know which airport you're going to land at until you get there. That sounds fun to me. Talk about your mystery weekend. Now, like I say, that's the problem with my brain. What's well, one of the problems? There's a lot of problems. Uh, we're going to finish up with uh, hearing a bit of Marcus's brain uh, talking about the new Beat the Chasers program. I'm going to say it, and I'm going to sound like a bit of an idiot to say it. But I think someone needs to say it. What is that show called on Sunday night, Dan? Help me out. Beat the Chasers. I watched Beat the Chasers. And I found it difficult to understand. In fact, I then had to Google it to work out what was happening. It was too complicated. I like the fact that all five chasers were there and could shine and talk about, you know, they could be humorous because one's a stand-up comedian and, of course, the host is. And it's funny and light and fun. But the actual chasing, it didn't work for me. I thought it was a fail. I didn't like it one bit. I just got so confused about what was happening. If someone could explain it to me, I'd find that beneficial. But, And even at the end of it, I wasn't quite sure who'd won or not. It just seemed to be too complicated. Yeah. Like they'd been too clever. I don't know if that's a controversial opinion. But yeah, beat the chase is not into it. I don't think I'd watch it again. I don't think that is a controversial opinion because it's just a game show on TV. Don't really think that it matters. Um, My concern is... That the the chasers are taking over, certainly television one. I, I I've said it before. I'm on record as saying every time I turn on the television, I feel like the chase is on. And Marcus was saying he doesn't understand how beat the chasers works. I, I don't even understand how the chase works. And most of the time, nobody wins at the end of it, and yet people still watch it. I've, am I old fashioned and wanting somebody to win at the end of a game show? I guess it's hard times, so they don't really have budget to be giving out money every episode. I'm Glenn ZB. Um, everyone's a winner by listening to this. This is a news tour with Zubin, and you can win a whole weekend's worth on Monday. I'll see you then.